Thank you for checking out Talks with Tyler ISD, a podcast about the passionate people who have a heart for children. I'm your host, Jennifer Hines, and we are super excited because today we have the District Elementary Teacher of the Year, LaShonda Wright. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to hear so much more about you. Um, Tell us, I guess, a little bit more about your background. You've been with Tyler ISD for 16 years. Mm -hmm. So kind of tell us, walk us through, like what all you've done. You've served in different roles throughout the district and, and what that's been like for you. Well, as you mentioned, I have been with TISD for quite a while. I started off years ago um, coming from Longview. I spent four years in Longview, and then I came to TISD, started over at Ramey Elementary for a long time, um, teaching fifth grade, working under Miss Cynthia Johnson, my first principal. And um, I ventured out of the classroom for a little bit to do instructional coaching. I spent a year at Griffin Elementary doing that. Decided, you know what, I just really want to be with kids again. So I bounced back to the classroom, taught a couple more years, stepped out again, did master teacher role. So just a little bit of this and that. But you keep, it sounds like you keep going back to the classroom. Mm -hmm. That's where your passion is. And, And that passion... Um, while you were at Ramey, you were their um, campus teacher mm-hmm. of the year uh, there. So then when you moved over, because you're currently at Andy Woods Elementary right. School, you were their campus teacher of the year this past year, and then you made it all the way to the district yes, level. So yes. uh, again, congratulations <laughs> on all of Thank that. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your education, like how you got here. What um I know that you um, have your bachelor's and you even have a master's as Mm -hmm. well. Tell us about that. Right. So I went to SFA, go Jacks. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, just right, you know, out of high school, a group of friends and I decided that's where we wanted to be, close to home. Mm -hmm. So I went there, you know, to study education. I heard that that was a great school to, you know, to attend if you wanted to be a teacher. Um, So that's what kind of drew me to go to Nacogdoche. I'm glad I did because it was close to home. My family was able to come and see me. I could drive home and, you know, still close, but still kind of felt like I was away doing the college thing. You were doing your own Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. And then then once you graduated, you decided to take it one step further and get your master's. Um, The push from a lot of other people, you know, it seems like sometimes people can see in you what you can't see in yourself. So true. So a lot of them were like, oh, you should be a principal. You should go and do this. You should do these things. So I just decided, well, let me just take a few baby steps. And I went to Leterno, you know, to get my um, master's in curriculum and instruction. And so thinking back, um, you said there was a group of y'all that decided to go to SFA and you had heard that that was a great (laughs) school to go to, to become an educator. What got you to that? I mean, knowing I did not know what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. when I went into college, I knew I wanted to do something, but what that was, I was still trying to figure it out. You obviously already had a plan. So when did that kind of, that seed of, of wanting to be a teacher get planted? Well, I wrote about it when I, you know, um, 
filled out like my applications and essays and stuff to become, you know, the district teacher of the year. I talked about a teacher that I had in fourth grade, Mr. Cassell, and I sure hope that one day he gets to see this or some other avenue. He knows that I'm still talking about him because he was my fourth grade writing teacher. Actually, he was my homeroom teacher because at the time he taught us everything, you know, self-contained. Yes. Yeah. But I always say writing because I feel as though he really inspired me to take the time to think about the things that I write, to make sure that it sounds like talking. I can still hear him now saying, make sure it sounds like you're talking to someone, you're having a conversation when they read your writing. So just having him as a teacher and the way that his classroom, as I said, felt like home, just safe. And I felt like, you know, just taking risk and trying to do those things, having someone make you feel that way in a classroom, it's definitely inspiring to make you want to go out and provide that environment for kids as well. And he taught you some pretty good life lessons along the way as Mm -hmm. well. Like, you got to learn how to work with people that sometimes you may not agree with right. and, and figure out that problem solving and and what that's going to look mm-hmm. like. Definitely. Um, any other teachers that kind of pop in your mind as ones that just kind of made a significant impact on you or where you were just like, I think that might be the subject I want to teach or I definitely <clears throat> want to do elementary over middle school or anything like that? Well, I mean, not that made me think like I want this subject versus this subject, but just um, Mr. Stogner, my chemistry teacher when I was in high school, Ms. Luttrell, my Spanish teacher. I can name those names because of the way that I felt in their classroom. They didn't make me think, oh, I want to teach chemistry. Definitely not. (laughs) But just because of the way I felt. They made me feel safe, as I said, comfortable. And they always spoke to me in such a positive way that made me feel as though I could do anything. You know, chemistry was hard. Spanish was hard, but having those teachers like, oh, LaShonda, you're doing great. I'm so proud of you. Look at what you did. Those teachers just inspired me to be that person that stands in front of kids one day and makes them feel that way. Well, and I bet they had a lot of different learning styles that Mm -hmm. you have remembered and maybe even incorporated into your own classroom. So speaking of your own classroom, walk us through what is a day like in Mrs. Wright's classroom? (sighs) Oh my gosh, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that because I like variety. I like for my kids to move. I like for us to talk. I, as I mentioned when I, you know, spoke at our banquet, I like to sing. Just whatever it takes to get them engaged and, you know, into the lesson. Um, recently, I didn't know this, but I ran into a parent in um, Starbucks one morning, and it was one of those mornings where I was just kind of feeling a little down. I was feeling like, okay. What else can I do? Am I doing enough? Are my kids really getting it? Because we go through those moments as teachers, like, am I doing enough to really move them? And I had a parent come in and she was like, oh, Miss Wright, my child thinks your class is magical. And I was like, magical? Magical? Yeah, I mean, I've been teaching for years and I've never heard anyone use that description. And so I was like, you know what? 
I am magical. You're Let's ma- go be magical today, Miss Wright. magical. So, I love that. I mean, just those, the variety, I think, is what gets the kids. You know, I may pull out a beach ball one day and we're throwing a ball around to help us review. They may be sprawled out on the floor working with a partner. We'll have some music playing in the background. It's just, I think the variety of it makes them think, wow, I cannot believe we're doing this and it's math class. Right? <laughs> well, and I mean, there are there's so much research out there that shows that when you add you know, sound or movement mm-hmm. to a lesson, you're more likely to retain it. Right. Not only that, you are adding magic to the classroom <laughs> and therefore they're more eager and interested in, yeah. in doing it. And I bet by um, creating that magic in your classroom, you're able to maybe even push the students a little bit further than they thought they might be able to go or to encourage them to kind of chip away at those problems that they need to in order to get to that next level, that next step that they're trying to as they as they work through their math problems. Mm -hmm. How how do you approach that when you've got all these different learning um, levels and styles with students? I mean, it sounds like you've created some unique ways to reach them. Right. Again, um, I am just constantly reflecting. Like what I did last year, I may do a little bit of that, but I'm always tweaking, changing, thinking about what I could do differently. Um, my kids from last year are probably like, beach ball? What are y'all doing with a beach ball? We didn't do that. Because I'm always thinking of new and different ways to help my kids understand and learn and enjoy it at the same time. And um, my biggest thing is just inspiring them and, and planting that seed of confidence in them. Often my kids will say to me, Miss Wright, you're so confident. You, you always believe that we can do it. And I want them to believe the same because that's half of the battle. You know, mm-hmm. if they truly think they can tackle things, then we've got it. Yeah, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I just work really hard to not only provide that variety and, you know, fun ways, but I'm constantly planting that seed in them that, oh, yeah, it looks hard, but we can do this. Look at what we did last week. We've got this. The same seeds of confidence and safety and security and welcoming and and building them up that Mm -hmm. you got from your teachers, you're now turning around and instilling that into them. Uh, So if we had some of your students here, what are some of the the characteristics that they would use to describe you in your classroom other than beach ball? We know that you like to have fun and you're magical. Yeah, I think they would say fun and, you know, kind and fair. They know, you know, a lot of times when there is an issue, there could be other teachers with them when this issue occurred, but they sometimes just feel me out and find me to come and talk to me about it because they know I'm going to help them and I'm going to be fair. No matter what's going on, I'm going to listen to both sides and we're going to figure it out. So I think just fair and fun and consistent they know that this is what it is. This is what Miss Wright expects. She's not going to waver from that. You know, we just have that system and that routine established in my room that they know this is how we handle things. Yeah, and I think when you do have those boundaries set for students, 
And that's really helpful because mm -hmm. they know the confines with in which they're going to be learning and what that environment's going to be and right. uh, that there will be excitement, mm -hmm. but there also is is a time to um, put on your student hat right. and, and that sort of thing. Um, you have even mentioned in the past, like flip the switch. You got to <laughs> change, you know, the personal fun side into the, the teaching mm -hmm. side. Right. I, I call that a little bit of flipping my switch and balance. Um, I pride myself on that balance that I'm able to let my kids have a good time and they're going to enjoy math, but at the same time, they know we have our limits. You know, we're not going to lose our minds. It's not going to be out of control. Mm -hmm. I, I tell them all the time, I never want my principal to walk by or come in and say, what's going on in here? I want her to step in and say, wow, this is some good stuff going on in here, you know? So we just have those conversations about maintaining balance. We want it to look and sound like learning and still have a good time. And what I love the most is the fact that it's okay if kids make mistakes in your classroom oh, yeah. because we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so for them to hear that from an adult, I think is super important because a part of um, building confidence is not being afraid of failure. Right. That's what moves and propels you forward. Definitely. Um, tell us a little bit more about what parents can do to support our teachers as, as as our elementary district teacher of the year, what can parents do to, to be more involved, support their teachers and students? What would you suggest to them? I think communication is key. Just, you know, staying in contact with teachers and not just, you know, feeling as though I'm going to wait for the teacher to let me know what's going on or what I can do. Those parents that are proactive are the best. I mean, they're calling me, they're emailing me as soon as they see an alert about a grade that wasn't so good. Or if we've written something in a student's planner, they're like, uh-oh, must be something I need to help with. So just staying proactive and, and, you know, being involved, not just at the beginning or the end, but throughout the school year. Because the school year, it takes, you know, it's dips. It has highs and lows. The kids may start off excited. Yay, school, I'm ready to learn. And then midway, it's like, oh, man, I'm still having to show up for school, yes. you know. So we just need them to stay with us the whole way. Keep checking in. Keep asking, you know. And when we reach out, what can I do? Let's sit down. I believe in sitting down with parents and saying, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm seeing. This is how it's going. Let's create a plan to see, okay, when I pass the baton to you at home, here's some stuff you can do. Back me up with this. I've done this part. See if you can pick up this part. So I just believe communicating, you know, throughout the year and just working together is what we really need from parents. And and for them to realize that it, it truly is a partnership oh, with yes. the teacher. It's not just the teacher. It does take the parent. Yes. Involvement too, in you order to have successful student <laughs> outcomes. You said with, that with three girls. I know that you got to be there because mm -hmm. you know it really is. You can't put it all on the teacher, yes, and uh, they do you. appreciate the compliments, like you said. Oh, that, yes. that that just made your day when that person came up to you, yes. that parent, and said that to you. Um, so, again, district elementary teacher of the year. But you're not done yet. You now get to go to the next level. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Well, you know, this is all new to me. I've been teaching for years and I had the honor of being, you know, campus teacher of the year before, mm -hmm. but being at this next level of like district and then moving on to regional. So yes. um, it's kind of similar process. I'm um, doing more writing. Thank you, Mr. Cassell, again, you know, <laughs> answering similar questions and, you know, typing up essays to submit just to see if, I'll be, you, you know, you, that person. Because you could be. You could be mm -hmm. the Region 7 Teacher of the Year. And then if you make it that far, then you go on to the state level. Yes, and we wish you all the best of luck Thank as you, you continue on that process. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing a, an insight into what it means to you to be a teacher, what it's like to be in your classroom, and what it is that you're instilling in our students and in our children. Thank we appreciate you. you. Thank you so much. It well, was and an thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to check out this episode on Spotify or Apple Podcast. And if you know somebody that would like to hear this, please share it with your friends and family.